give a very warm welcome to everyone to evening worship today, uh, both to those in the building here and to those who are joining with us online. Let's begin our worship by singing to God's praise in Psalm 126. It's page 419 in the Psalter uh, at the beginning of the song, When Zion's Bondage. Remember, uh, Zion uh, was the mountain on which the temple was built in Jerusalem. And the people of Zion were the people of God. When So it's uh, talking about great changes taking place in the experience of God's people. When Zion's bondage, God turned back. As men that dreamed were we, then filled with laughter was our mouth, our tongue with uh, melody. Verse 4, the streams of water in the south, our bondage, Lord, recall. At the south, in the Negev, it was very dry and very arid. Nothing grew there until the rains came. And when the rains came, it just became green virtually overnight. It's a, it's a good illustration of how things can hugely change in, in one's experience. We'll sing the whole song to God's praise. When Zion's bondage, God turned back. <clears throat>
Now let's join together in prayer. Let's pray. O Lord our God, we thank you that for the people of God you bring about great changes. We think of the change that was brought about when uh, the Jewish people left the land of Egypt and all the bondage that was there. We think of uh, release from Babylonian captivity and great rejoicing in the return of many to their own homeland. And we think of our own release from bondage for those who have tasted and seen that God is good and who have trusted in him because we do not need to fear going down into eternal death because of our sins because we have been released from that. And to be released from that is to be released from a terrible bondage. And we thank you this night that uh, you are the God who has intervened. Not only are you the God who has intervened amongst the human race in that you came amongst us these 2,022 years ago, you are indeed Emmanuel, God with us. But... um, You are also God who has come into the experience of all your believers. And although it doesn't mean a bed of roses in this life, we realize that that ultimately all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord. Please forgive us for the days we don't believe that, when it has become so difficult Uh, that there seems to be no light at the end of the tunnel but may we remember the words of that song that the one who goes forth sowing in tears will indeed reap a bountiful harvest because you are faithful uh, to your word we pray that you would remember us not only as a church but as a nation at this time we are full of shame with what we are legislating these days we once the land of the book at the fore of seeking to bring down the things that are sacred to God O Lord our God have mercy upon us and bless those who are standing uh, in the midst of a tide that goes against them bless particularly our political leaders who are really up against it who believe in you we pray O Lord that we would remember though that in the words of Psalm 2, the heathen may rage, but you will still have your king appointed over Zion Hill. And we pray that we would take comfort and security from that because uh, it is so easy to go under the water with all that's going on around us. But it's so easy to go under the water, not just with things around us, but as we reflect on who we are and what we are in and of ourselves, because sin is a momentous thing. If only the shedding of the blood of God's Son can redeem us from it, then that tells us a great deal about the enormity of it. And we pray that on the days when we are down because of our own waywardness and sinfulness, that we would ever remind ourselves that we are to call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. We thank you for this day and the ability for us to meet as families in a way that we may not be able to meet together very often. 
But we remember uh, this time people who are heartbroken because their family circles have had empty spaces in them. We pray that you would uh, put your arms around and you would succor and strengthen. And we pray that we would find hope in knowing that you are the God of the resurrection of the dead. And you are the God who will take to himself your own people who have trusted in you, albeit sometimes our trusting is all over the place and our lives that are supposed to be honouring to you are blemished with weakness and frailties and sinfulness. But we thank you that the covenant we have with you is a covenant that can accommodate every sin if we come in repentance and we confess it, it to you. So remember us as we gather here. Come into our midst. Bless us each and every one. Remember our loved ones. Wherever they may be, O Lord our God, may we all be with you in the great beyond because we have trusted in you that you are our Christ and that you are our Jesus. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's sing again to God's praise. It's um, in Psalm number 51 and that's on page... That's on page 67 of the Psalter. O my God, have mercy on me in your steadfast love. I pray in your infinite compassion. My transgressions wipe away. Cleanse me from iniquity. Wash my sin away from me. For I know my own transgressions. I can see my sinful plight. You, you only, I have offended and done evil in your sight. So your words are verified and your verdict uh, justified. We're going to sing verses 1 to 15 of Psalm 51. Oh my God, have mercy on me.
let's turn to Luke's Gospel and at chapter 1. Luke's Gospel. Chapter 1 and we'll read at the beginning of the chapter inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us it seemed good to me also having followed all things closely for some time past to write an orderly account for you most excellent Theophilus that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. In the days of Herod king of Judea there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth and they were both righteous before God walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty according to the custom of the priesthood he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him but the angel said to him do not be afraid Zechariah for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared and Zechariah said to the angel how shall I know this for I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years and the angel answered him I am Gabriel I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news and behold you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time and the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple and when he came out he was unable to speak to them and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute and when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me, to take away my reproach among people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary 
And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Amen. And may God bless to us that reading from his word. Let's join together again in prayer. O Lord, our God, there are things in this passage of scripture that are utterly astounding. A child weeping, uh, leaping within the womb of its mother because of Emmanuel, God with us. How do these things happen? We, we don't understand. But we do believe because you have revealed these truths to us and this is your book of revelation to uh, the human race. 
And alas, there are many things that we don't understand. The reality is that the more we know about any given thing, the more we realize we don't know. And that is true about our knowledge of you. The more we delve and discover, the greater the enormity of who you are and what you are about dawns upon us. But we pray that we would rejoice afresh this night in the very thing that caused Mary to engage in this great outbursting of praise that we know of as the Magnificat. This Mary who said he's my saviour too. An incredible phenomenon that the the child would grow up to be her own personal saviour she was carrying within her own womb. She was favoured. Not with a child only, but with the child of redemption. And we are here this night and we have hope in a hopeless fallen world because of this great event. And we realize that in the midst of eternity you planned it. And that there was nothing out of place, nothing out of kilter. Everything in its perfect order and in its perfect place. We realize that so often in this very passage of scripture you had to say to your own people don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We are often so afraid for so many different reasons. We would ask you to forgive us for the fretfulness and the anxiety and the chaos that so often is our own personal experiences. Help us we pray to trust in you. And come in with us this night and do us good. Not that we deserve anything, we don't. We have forfeited everything. But you are who you are. And therefore we ask. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's sing to God's praise in Psalm 143. And it's the second version of uh, the psalm it's found on page 439 of the Psalter Psalm 143 second verse page 439 of the Psalter now we will actually have two singings from this particular psalm but it's such an unusual meter that we will use the same tune for both singings but we'll begin at the beginning of the psalm oh hear my prayer Lord and unto my desire to bow thine ear accord I humbly thee require and in thy faithfulness unto me answer make and in thy righteousness upon me pity take in judgment enter not with me thy servant poor for why this well I wot no sinner can endure the sight of thee O God if thou his deed shalt try he dare make none abode himself to justify we'll sing verses 1 to 5 of psalm 143 oh hear my prayer lord
let's turn to the passage we've read in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, and we'll read again at verse 32. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Now let's by God's enabling seek to explore something of this area of scripture. We were looking at the, the few verses prior to uh, this, these two verses um, last Lord's Day. We were uh, looking at uh, Mary's response to the news that she would be with child. We looked at the favour she had in having a child in the first place. And that is a great favour indeed. But it wasn't just a child, it was the child. This was the child who was to be called uh, Jesus. And let's remember that all of the different names of Jesus have a very specific uh, meaning. We talk of the Lord Jesus Christ, the word Lord at least when it's in small letters in our English Bible, means Master. Of course, when it's in capital letters, it means none other than Jehovah Yahweh, the God who met with Moses and Theophany at the burning bush, who said, I am who I am. This great... Remember what the Theophany was at the burning bush. And remember what a theophany is. It's two Greek words pulled together. Theos and phanereo. It's it basically a God appearance. And this was a very specific God appearance. Because the bush was on fire. And a bush that's on fire eventually goes out. But this one wasn't going out at all. And that's what captured the attention of Moses. There was nothing unusual about a bush on fire in that area of the world. But it wasn't going out. And when Moses went to explode, he realized that the flames were being produced in and of themselves. It wasn't the wood that was creating the flames, as is the case with the fires that we burn. And of course it wasn't uh, in and of itself. It was a revelation that the, in, the one, the being that was here was this God who is self-existent. And who can create flames out of nothing. But it's not just flames he can create out of nothing. The very first words of the Bible are, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In other words, he made the basic building blocks. You can call it stuff. You can call it matter. You can call it atoms. But he made this vast amount of stuff. And he did it. The theologians tell us ex nihilo, out of nothing. It was a command he gave, and into being came the very building blocks of a universe. And um, he created you and I out of nothing as well. This is the Lord in capital letters in this English version of the Bible that we have. So in capitals, 
It's basically, I remember the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember what the name Christ meant. It meant anointed, the kings of Israel, oil poured over their head. A symbolic gesture that says you're set aside for a particular role. The kings of Israel had oil poured over them. And that was a statement, you're going to be the king of this nation. But Christ is also anointed. And he's anointed to be a king, and we'll come back to that in this sermon this evening. Not a political king, but a king nonetheless. The Lord Jesus Christ. Christ anointed to be a king, but not only anointed to be a king. Anointed to be the Jesus. And remember what the word Jesus means. It means saviour, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so it's this unique being that's going to be in the womb of uh, the Virgin Mary. But we are told a few things here about Jesus. And I want to just take them one by one. He will be great. You know, at this time of year, all across the world, people are at least thinking about Christmas. They may not be celebrating Christmas, or they may be celebrating it in the wrong way, but at the heart of the Christmas message and the Christmas story is a babe born in the manger in Bethlehem. There are not many people in this world who are known all across the globe. But there are some people who have become icons in our day and age with social media and whatnot. There are people who have been pedestaled and who are very, very well known. But there's not many people who over the last 2,000 years have been known and known and known and known. But you know, we were this morning talking about when Jesus left this world he gave commandment to his disciples go ye into all the world and baptize in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit the name of Jesus has gone to the furthest corners of the earth and in that sense he is great he is absolutely great But not only is he great in that sense, he is great in the extensiveness of his redeemership. Now what I mean by that is this. We've been singing a song that speaks of, if God entered into judgment with us because of our sins, not one of us would have a leg to stand on. And the thing about our own personal sin is this. It's one thing knowing you're a sinner. It's another thing knowing the enormity of your sin. And when you get an insight into the enormity of sin, that's when you flee to Jesus. But when you flee to Jesus, first of all, that's not the end of an insight into who you are and what you're about and your sinnership. That grows. You, you, you become more sensitive to your own fallenness and your own sinfulness until the enormity of it can absolutely sink you if uh, you allow it. 
And that is why it is so important for us to be in the Word of God and to come back to what God has done for sinners and to come back to, in particular, to Jesus of Nazareth. Because if we don't hold an insight into our sins in perfect balance with what Christ has done in being our Savior, we are going to be all over the place and we are going to have great difficulties. But you know where God works in the life of a believer and it is the work of God. In our early days one of the big mistakes we can make as believers is to think that we have an input into it that we don't. But uh, by and by as you mature as a Christian you realize it's all of God and it is all of grace. But the enormity of our sins can be so overwhelming at times. But the greatness of this Christ is this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But there's another way in which he is great. When Jesus came to this world for the first time and he's put into a cattle trough in Bethlehem, you would forgive somebody for thinking, this is a poor soul from a poor family in poor circumstances. There won't be that mistake made when Christ comes to this world for a second time. There are similarities to his first coming in this sense. We spoke about this this morning. When he left this world, he disappeared into the clouds. He will come again to this world out of the clouds. But there will be a trumpet call. And there will be no mistaking who he is. Because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is the master. That he's the master of the universe, but not only is the master of the universe, because the universe is going to come to an end. Master of time, but time is coming to an end as well. But he is the master of eternal things, and we will see that as well in this passage of scripture now on that day there will be some knees that will bow for the very first time and there will be others who will be bowing all over again believers will have bowed the knee previously before Christ the King they will be believing people he has come to take them to be with him forevermore but for those he finds who have never bowed the knee to him before it's too late to be bowing in a saving manner that is why it is so so important for us to grasp our opportunities and make use of the time of opportunity whatever you do in life's journey don't let this slip don't let this slip and if you're thinking well somewhere out there in the future no 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 because you've no guarantee of the future none whatsoever so he is great in all of these uh, different ways he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high 
Who is the Most High? The Most High is God Himself. And we're back to this whole idea of who Jesus is. That the biological um, mother of Jesus is Mary. But a miracle takes place whereby the Spirit of God overshadows Mary. And she is with child. And Jesus never ever backed away from declaring to the world who he really was. I am God come in the flesh. That is what got him into serious trouble. And at the end of the day that is what got him crucified. Because the church leaders knew what he was saying. And they were so angry with him for saying it. He was being blasphemous. He was being a liar. He was being, he was being motivated by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. <coughs> but of course he wasn't. He was telling simple uh, truth. He was God uh, come in the flesh. And he comes into the flow of the human race and he lives among us for these uh, 33 years. And he it is who will lay down his life to redeem us from our sins. And there's no other way of being redeemed from them. No other way. We read today about his baptism. John the Baptist, his cousin, after he baptized him in the river Jordan, this is my beloved son. And in him I am well pleased. And you think, how come it pleases the heart of God that this beloved son of his is born in a stinking stable in a dirty cattle truck as his first bed. How does that please God? Does, does that not break the heart of God? But, but of course, Bethlehem is in the low point of humility of Jesus. At 33 years age or thereabouts, he's, He is dealt with in such a dreadful manner. There is so much unjust, injustice from the political arena. And there is even more injustice from the ecclesiastical arena, from the church itself. And you would have thought, this cannot be pleasing to God. Well, at one level it was not pleasing to God. But you know what's happening with God? There is this machination on the part of men political and on the part of men ecclesiastical just to eradicate him from the face of this planet. And you know, for a moment or two, they think they've succeeded. But the resurrection takes place. And the resurrection is the proof that he was who he said he was all along. And only a resurrected son of God could have done this. And you see, there is this agenda of evilness. 
And, and it looks as if they feel they've succeeded in achieving what they wanted to achieve. And God takes the whole agenda and he turns it all on its head. And the very crucifixion that was so wrong in so many ways is the heart of the gospel. That's why you and I are here tonight. That's why you and I as sinners can be saved. It is this Son of the Most High. God is the Most High. It's His Son. And this God is overseeing everything. Calvary is the primary example of God taking evilness and turning it on His head. And you know, as we look around ourselves today in this world, it seems so chaotic and so blatantly and defiantly evil it's so easy to lose heart until you come back to the pages of scripture and you remind yourself of who God is he is the most high and he will have his agenda fulfilled but he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him to him the throne of his father David He was of the line of David. And David a thousand years earlier was told that a son of his would reign on the throne of Israel forever. And of course the critics will say, well there you go, the Bible's full of error as regards that. Because there is no king in Israel today. Well it all depends on what you mean by king. It is true there's no political king in Israel today. But you know, Jesus of Nazareth was never interested in being a political king. Never. My kingdom is not of this world. Political kings take up the sword and they use the sword to develop their power and to further their strategies. And we don't need to go further than the Ukraine situation to think about political agendas and strategies. That's the way it goes amongst the fallen human race. Except he's not part of the fallen human race. And he's not remotely interested in being the political leader, king of Israel. But does that mean he's not a king then? Not at all. Not at all. You know, amongst Abraham's children, not you have Abraham, you have Isaac, you have Jacob. And Jacob's name is changed to Israel, but you go to the epistle to the Romans and in chapter 9 you read that not all Israel is of Israel and you think, what on earth does that mean? It basically means this, that not every person who has the blood of Abraham flowing in their veins is a believer in the God of Abraham. That's what it means. That there is a kingdom with God. That is a spiritual kingdom. And you know, you and I are in or outside this kingdom tonight. We're one or the other. We have bowed the knee to God. We have accepted Jesus as our saviour. And if that's the case, he's the king of our hearts. And he will lead us to his heaven by and by. He is the king of heaven. And he is the king of the spiritual uh, Israel.
40 days after his resurrection he ascended up on high and he is at the right hand of God in heaven and today he rules supreme over his kingdom right throughout all the nations of uh, of this world it's true he's not the political king of Israel it's true that there is no political king in Israel to this day and if we're thinking pure politics it looks as if the promise of God does failed only if we misinterpret it by thinking on pure politics. We've got to think about the spiritual realm as well. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. You know, time is a concept of the here and the now. And it is very, very difficult for us as uh, people of time and space to get out of that kind of scenario. You know, when the kids in the schools will say to me, now who made God? And I say to them, no, nobody made God. He always existed. They, they, they struggle with that. And they struggle with that for the very same reason that you and I struggle with that. Because we are so used to a beginning and a middle and an end to everything, even ourselves. That this idea of someone never ever having a beginning, it kind of stretches us. But we believe it because God has revealed it to us on the pages of scripture he's from everlasting to everlasting now you and I are not from everlasting because we have a moment when we have been conceived and that's the beginning of our creation it's true that we will be for everlasting but God is from everlasting to everlasting but this everlastingness let's remember this there are two destinies of the human race one is to be in this kingdom of Christ that will be an everlasting kingdom. Whatever you do in life's journey, make sure you're in on that kingdom. Because there is another destiny for the human race. It's the destiny of those who have rejected him. It's the destiny of those who are lost. It's the destiny of those who are going to end up in the outer darkness of hell now there is one thing we will never be able to say of God when we meet him and we are all going to meet him and I suppose another way of saying that is we are all going to meet this Christ because in the great white throne in Revelation it's he who is sitting on the throne we are never ever going to be able to say to him you know you hoodwinked me you misled me you just pull the wool over my eyes he's done none of those things it's there you know sometimes we come up against things in scripture that are hard to be under that are hard to understand but other times we come up against things in scripture that are very very difficult to misunderstand I think impossible to understand and one of the basic elements of scripture is this there's a heaven to be won and there's a hell to be shunned but this is the child who was born into this world 2022 years ago he he will be great she is told 
and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. May it be true of every last one of us and all our loved ones that we are in in this kingdom. It's phenomenal stuff to think that we can be heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, that we can share in that kingdom. That is another phenomenal privilege and blessing given uh, to believers. But I'm not making it up. It's there. It's on the pages of Scripture. It's just that we need to be in. And may God grant that we are all in on this. Amen. Let's pray. O Lord, our God, we thank you for what you've done for us. We pray that we would respond in the appropriate way. And we pray that this night we would all be found safe in the arms of Jesus. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Let's conclude by the final few verses of this same song. It's Psalm 143, second version, page 439 of the Psalter. Lo, I do stretch my hands to thee, my help alone. For thou well understands all my complaint and moan. My thirsting soul desires and longeth after thee, as thirsty ground requires with rain refreshed to be. To the end of the song, lo, I do stretch my hands.
Now may grace, mercy and peace from Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest on and abide with each one, both now 